from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Today I'm playing an interview with Peter Shampoo. Peter is an investigator of geometric patterns that can be found throughout the planet and the universe. It all started when he was a mason and noticed patterns in the rock that he was fracturing. He realized that using these patterns to his advantage assisted him as a mason. He calls this science geographic life studies and he says that it adds a dimension and connective tone to any community, individual, event, think tank, or conference. He tailors presentations to the people, place, and purpose of an event, whether local or international in scope. He includes education on land survey techniques and land pattern discoveries as a context. He wrote a book called Gaia Matrix, where he focused his attention to the small town of Shelburne Falls, Massachusetts, when applying this science. You can find his work on the website geometryofplace.com. Peter is not a Baha'i, but I requested he apply this science to aspects of the Baha'i faith. In so doing, Peter developed a set of visuals to assist in his explanation of the convergence of this science with the Baha'i faith. You can find this visual at geometryofplace.com forward slash Baha'i, B-A-H-A-I. We'll be referring to these visuals during the interview. I started the interview by asking Peter to define for us geographic life studies. In this work that I've discovered, I've struggled with terms on how to describe it. Uh, Some people call it geomancy, geodesy, Feng Shui is probably within that genre. This is something completely different. It looks for patterns within nature that reflect a geometric pattern that implies that there is a a life within it. So the term Gaia means the uh, it's become the kind of like leading term for the living earth, the consciousness of the living earth. So what I do with my studies is to look at patterns that people and communities make that generate geometries that suggest a certain quality of place or a certain purpose uh, within the life expression. There's a whole conversation within the geometry of nature that goes back to the Greeks. You have all the the, the studies of Plato, and and then then that evolves into the whole uh, Templar business with building cathedrals that are based on sacred geometry. And the, the premise there is that sacred geometry is anything that is created by God, if you will. Flowers that have geometry, well, that's sacred geometry. So in my work as a mason, I was a classical mason, I worked on stonework and studied the the practices of, of Freemasons just to learn their techniques, learn everything I could possibly about the nature of what they were trying to do. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was like a technology that they were that they were using, and I was trying to decode that uh, as a modern to understand how to use that technology of stone to increase spirit. So, 
in that pursuit, there's this whole study of sacred geometry that these very mentally focused people uh, work on, you know, these, these, these intricate drawings where they have all these different relationships to a lot of mathematical formulas. And, you know, I often say that if, if you're a scientist, think of me as an artist. If you're a artist, think of me as a scientist. So it's, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's right. like I, I don't really fit in uh, mm-hmm. very, very well in, right. in, in, in definitions. Right. So I have to invent my own definition. So from what I gather from what you're saying is, is that, first of all, God's creation seems to have a set of patterns that have that form sort of a common geometry in various aspects of the world of creation. Is that true? Uh, correct. Okay. Correct. Uh, there, there is one particular geometry uh, called the phi spiral that seems to be in um, multiple patterns in, within nature. It's, it's within in the human form and proportion. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the, the Fibonacci series, which is... Uh, one plus one is two, two plus one is three, three plus two is five, five plus three is eight, you know, this type of yeah. thing. So you, you add the first two and you come up with the third number. And that's, that generates that, that phi proportion, 1.618. You see that, it's a light, they call it the God number because you, you see it in all life forms. So that's that spiral that some people, you know, you notice in the ear. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. Right. It's really right. everywhere. And that width to length, the longer than wide thing that's going on with nature, you, you see that within the, the egg. It's, you know, the, mm-hmm. the chicken egg, for instance, that has, oh. that's longer than wide. It has mm-hmm. a fiber portion to it. A tree is quite often in that same shape. So you see it throughout nature. So I, I'm a classical mason, and, and I work with rock. And looking at the fracturing of rock, well, you know, if I work with the fracture of rock, then I can make more money during the day, you know, because I'm working with a pattern that's existing within the, the structure of the rock instead of trying to square peg around the whole thing. I see. I noticed that even rock had a consistent angle, and that grew. So... Uh, that rock, that fracture that's in the rock could be seen in the cliff face, could be seen in the stream bed, could be seen in the pattern of the mountain. Mm. You can see it everywhere in nature. And, and when you start looking for these things, indeed, they are everywhere in nature. Mm. Probably the most uh, significant discovery I, I've made in the past year, I've been at this for about 13 years now, studying these patterns, is, is that there is this consistent radiance in creation, consciousness, gravity. So I call it the earth rings because if, if you were to take an equatorial slice of the planet, you would have these nested spheres. So you'd have an inner core, outer core, uh, upper and lower mantle boundary, and then crust. If you take that geometry and, and, you, and you look at, for instance, the density of the stars within the galaxy, you have the same geometry. When you look at the atom with you know within the structure of an atom, you have that same geometry. You look in the eye of every human, and you have that same geometry. Mm-hmm. And for instance, uh, here's a you know really wild thing that I've discovered this year is that the the planets, if if you take like Mars for instance, that's the same size as the inner uh, the outer core of our planet, and and it relates to like the boundary. If you project the boundary between the upper and lower mantle out to the surface you get a, a ring that's around the planet, and that's the 42nd parallel. There's like this civilizational thing that happens on the 42nd because of the jet stream and all these 
these various factors, but it's, it's, it's where empires have flourished. So on the 42nd, you find Constantinople or Istanbul now. You find Rome, you find Barcelona, you find Boston, you know, <laughs> our home state here. You know, the, the 42nd parallel is really the Massachusetts-Connecticut border. And it, it's marked across the United States. The, the, the many, many boundary borders are, are on the 42nd as you go across the, the country. It's like a frequency band. I'm seeing that the, the universe is made about, you know, it seems like it's all frequency and kind of resonance. And that resonance, that, that pattern that I see in, in the earth rings and see in the galaxy and see in our eyes and see, you know, in the pattern of the human body, it seems like it's this God signature, like, mm-hmm. the, like, like this sound that went out into the universe you know, cohered it into, like, kind of created a gravity field somehow. Mm-hmm. In the same pattern, this earth ring pattern that I found, it's replicated in the ground plan of Stonehenge. Many ancient tablets, like the, the, the famous Aztec calendar, you know, that was so everybody was all worked up by here. Yeah, that was you know, earth rings. Semantics, the study of, of patterns that sound make. When you blow a didgeridoo, for instance, you know, that generates that very same pattern. So you, you mentioned geometry and you mentioned frequency. Part of sacred geometry is a thing called geometria. You're, you're studying the, the nuances of number and the significance, you know, like one. You know, what's one all about? I mean, it's the singularity. What's two all about is polarity, but it's also love, you know? The three, what's that? You know, well, you get into the trinity, and you get into stability, and you get into, you know, four, you have the cube, and, you know, five, you have the pentagram, and and, and that's also the, the retrograde pattern of Venus. And as you get more and more complex, uh, you mm-hmm. know, you get up there in numbers, it, like number nine, uh, the, uh, the sign of the Baha'i faith is... Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's a completion number going back to one again. The eight is the octave. So if you find an eight geometry, well, there might be there's music involved there. If you oh, find uh, you you look at the pattern, okay, uh, here's an eight. Well, if this is an eight, then where's the music? And then you look in the pattern in the land, and there's quite often music venues there. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's introducing a whole new way of looking at the world. It's this place of grace and beauty and so you wrote this book about this called Gaia Matrix the book described my early discoveries of a a landscape pattern in New England centered on Shelburne Falls a circular pattern that emanated out all across the continent an arc a geometric arc can be made from center point of Shelburne Falls Massachusetts out to Panama when you draw an arc, you end up with the coast of California and Mexico matching that, and it's only Shelburne Falls. I mean, it's very specific to that. Mm-hmm. And then everything else all references that. You get these same kind of earth ring patterns radiating out from there and, you know, keying into places like the Great Lakes. So uh, the Great Lakes, uh, there was another geometric study. So it's a compilation and anthology of a lot of different studies I've done around uh, North America uh, up until... 1999 i'm trying to i'm working on volume two here but you know i keep getting new studies or where am i going to go with this luckily they don't cut off the heads of heretics anymore (laughs) put them in their house arrest for uh, forever but it's quite interesting these observations that you have about 
the natural geometry of God's creation and also the natural frequencies, as you describe it, of God's creation. Yeah, to address the frequency, it's like a bandwidth, if you will. So the equator of the planet, there's much different kind of energy there than there is up on the, the arctic circle. And each one of these bandwidths have a different frequency that holds the quality of, of being. For instance, the 30th uh, latitude north is where, where um, the Nile Delta is, right? But if you take that around the planet, and, and there are all these other deltas there too. So you find the Mississippi Delta, Colorado Delta, the Tigris-Euphrates Delta, the Yangtze uh, Delta, the uh, headwaters of the Ganges is on, and the Ganges kind of... Dr- you know, goes along at a, you know in a parallel course, and so you know that's that's the frequency of water there. You know, and there's another one, a, a 19.5 degree uh, around the planet. That's where all the volcanoes are on the planet. You got Penatibo, you got uh, Hawaii, you got Kilimanjaro. You know, you got, it's all it's all it's on this 19.5 and Mexico City, and so the 42nd is is an empire frequency. So there, it seems to be like like these bandwidths around the planet and, and there are cultural bandwidths that i'm also finding uh, as just you know circumstantial evidence okay let's look at the battles of europe for instance and oh they're all in a line going right you know from along the franco-german border down through kosovo into into the well actually into haifa so that's where the story of Baha'u'llah begins is is that you know he's, he's right on a ley line he's right on a primary current that has a conversation you know, like a whisper of history going on on it after Baha'u'llah there, there was uh, there were all these all these wars of unity happened the, the terrible thing of these wars but but what was the gift of all that too you have to look at what the gift of all that and that that really it united the world in a way that it never had been, been before and. Yeah, you know, at the time of Baha'u'llah, we had how many countries were now there? Everybody's getting consolidated, and there's this co- coherence and coalescence that's taking place as a community, a collective community consciousness that, that evolves. And you know, Baha'u'llah speaks about it in the way of manifestations. Uh, you know, each prophet brings a new new way of thinking and and uh, you know it's like oh okay all right you know you can only handle so much at a time you know so so we're we're there now with, right, with right. That, so. so that's a good segue into the homework assignment i gave you <laughs> <laughs> was to apply this science to aspects of the bahai faith and i want to let the listeners know that you have developed a set of diagrams associated with uh, what you're going to speak about so when I asked you to apply your science, geography is mm-hmm. okay to aspects of the Baha'i faith. Where did you start? With any study, be it individual or a collective entity of some kind, some kind of corpus, there's a bee dance that we make. The bees, uh, when they go out and look for honey and come back, they do this bee dance where they you know, shake shake their butt around, do all these gyrations and everything. There was this gal whose father was a beekeeper, and he studied the bee dance. And and this gal grew up to be a quantum mathematician geometer, and she was struggling with these 
11-dimensional geometries that you can only see in shadow state. You know, it's kind of like this quantum field stuff that she was working with, but she was able to see the shadow state, and it was exactly the same thing as what the bees were dancing. So there's this quantum field that's, that's generated by our movements through, through the life field of the biosphere of the planet. And that generates a flowering. So our own lives are flowering just like a flower flowers and there's geometry to it. Uh, in this, in this, uh, this study of geography, I look for patterns of people's lives. I, well, where'd they live? Where'd they go? Where were they incarcerated in the deep hole? Where were they? Where did they write their books? Where did they, you know, travel to? Where, you know, I mean, this, this, what happened at these different places when they did stop there? And, and what's all the relationship between all those things? And how does it generate an array on the land? So, you know, as a pattern maker, as an earth stone reader, I just look for patterns, you know, arcs and angles that I'm familiar with from just being so immersed in, in these geometries that, Oh yeah, that's fire. That's that's a that's a twenty-seven point five. You just get an eye for it. So you took the life of Baha'u'llah, starting at the point where he was in Tehran, and it looks like you traced his exile from Tehran to Baghdad to Constantinople, Adrianople, and then to Akka. So the, the man's life path, he, yes. he was born in right. Tehran and, and ended up in Akka. And so that path to get there had a suggestion of a spiral. Whenever I see a spiral, well, it's the Phi spiral, is it, well, well not a Baha'i, I am, I am of Sufi orientation, and I'm very familiar with the path of love that, that the, the Sufi poets are all about. And I, when I see this path, it's... Uh, it's, it looks like the footprint of a, of a giant. How's that? Well, to have such an irregular, circuitous, and grace-filled path, but to have it cohere in such a, a regular way, accessing uh, really important strategic points in, on, on a planetary consciousness field level of things. I mean, and in some ways, he, he, he avoided really, uh, you know, like important sites of the region, like never having put his foot on Jerusalem or, or Mecca. I don't think he ever made the pilgrimage to Mecca. To my, well, at least it's not recorded. It's not recorded. So it kind of put him apart from the Abrahamic baggage. Now, it, what do you mean by baggage? I, I don't want to insult anybody or, right. or, or you know, go beyond what I really know. But, right. you know, when you start messing with Jesus and Muhammad, it's like that's their turf. That's their territory. Where it's like just step right over. It went from Samaria in in, in the Tigris Euphrates, and then carrying that around around the Holy Land and generating this dervish turn, this vortex of of grace. Reading the man's life, it was it was like this caravan of beauty, but it was this unbelievable misery at the same time. You know, you know, like this caravan of dreams or something. You know, and Dervish Shaw writes about I think a Sufi book in the caravan of dreams. And, mm. But, so the sparrow that you're referring to, yeah. because his exile takes him from Tehran and ultimately as far north as Constantinople and then down toward... Right. So in this, in this spirillic path, mm -hmm. he's crossed the 42nd parallel, the 30th parallel, the uh, Silk Road lay, the Arcadian lay, and the, uh, the Nile lay. Uh, so he's taken you know, like, like these entrainments. If you will, ley lines are like acupuncture meridians in our bodies. 
They carry memory. They carry, you know, like, like and if you have an injury, well, that's held in this, and you got to put a needle in to release the, you know, and all that business. Well, it's the same thing here. Over and over again, you, you rub your finger along a spot, it gets red. So over and over again in the Acadian lay, we've had the German-Franco conflict that's in the East-West conflict, the North-South, you know, the Moors versus the Christians, the East, the Eastern right versus the Western right. It's all right here in this space. So you have the 30th degree of the waters, and the waters of the world can connect with all the waters of us. It's all about water here. And the ultimately, the, it's water that entrains things to be geometric. You know, water has that geometry within its structure the uh, the h2o uh, bonding is is at a at, at a proportion that generates all the sacred geometries i've got another study on my site somewhere about it but water is a big piece so he draws mm-hmm. in that draws in the nile piece which also you know going through alexandria there was this uh, that's the seat of knowledge of the library of alexandria and so there's all these things that are all pulled in by this man's path around the Middle East, going to Constantinople. It was the you know the Holy Roman Empire releasing that field and introducing a new field and introducing a new Baha to the world. But it's kind of like an instrument, uh, you know. With, with the, these are strings and, and with frets on it. And you, if you go over and over and over again with war, mm. war tends to get grow on those lines so you get a lot of conflict like kosovo the the conflict in kosovo is right at the intersection of the 42nd parallel in this uh uh, arcadian lay and and so the 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 people of serbia got in this whole empire mind you know the great serbian empire is going to rise again and it was crazy but they were just kind of falling into this consciousness field with Baha'u'llah's travels and, and writing these and saying these prayers, he's like putting a finger on the fret and putting this, this oscillation of love into the planetary field. What's the significance of the Silk Road lay? Looking at the recent conflict in the Middle East, wherever I see conflict going over and over again, there's usually some kind of entrainment there, like an old, an old pattern. So I, well, let's see what's in alignment. What three points can I put together? Baghdad, Islamabad, and Kabul were all on an exact straight line. And, oh, here's Hong Kong at the other end of it over here. And, oh, here's Lhasa on here. And, oh, here's the, here's the Himalayan mountains that look like prayer beads on it or something. You know, it's just this, it wasn't exactly the trajectory of the, of the Silk Road, but it connects those Silk Road centers mm-hmm. with, to one another across mm-hmm. a great distance, kind of uniting the Eurasia. So the significance of that band being what? That's the Eurasian band. Okay. Bandwidth. So if here in this nexus of the Middle East, you have this a pool of all these various energies coming together and vortexing. And so that particular line brings in the Eurasian uh, Eastern consciousness, uh, Eastern Hemisphere consciousness, the fields of those people. It's, it's a way in which a, a giant of the heart can project himself to the entire planet. Peter asks me how the Baha'i faith took on the number nine as a significant symbol. I incorrectly refer to the Arabic word vahid, saying the numerological value of it is nine. In actuality, the numerological value is 19, which is also a significant number to the Baha'i faith. The number nine actually comes from the root of Baha'u'llah's name, Baha which means glory. 
The translation into English of Baha'u'llah is the glory of God. This root, Baha, is Arabic, and its numerical value when you add up the Arabic letters is 9. This is really the historical reason why the number 9 is important to the Baha'i faith. I'm not familiar. When did the Baha'i faith actually choose 9? When did 9 come in? That, that was something that the Baha'u'llah uh, had to... Well, the Bab came up with the concept of the Vahid, which in Arabic means unity, the numerology of that number is nine. And so that's why it became significant. Cause, and so nine symbolizing uh, unity, which is the fundamental message of Baha'u'llah for this day. So Vahid, the uh, transliteration spelling is V, v as in Victor, A-H-I-D. But if mm-hmm. it's written in Arabic, the values of the Arabic letters represent the number nine. From that was born the, the nine-pointed star okay. to, to represent right. this vahid, or unity. Right. Yeah. We spoke earlier about this, this enneagram. I mean, the Gurdjieffian school is all, maybe the, the listeners are familiar with Gurdjieff and his enneagram studies. I mean, they're just volumes and volumes. I don't know, I don't know uh, anything about it. Oh, oh you know, but, but then there's the psychology, the, the nine personality types and, and their relationship. This is a, the, the Enneagram model. Uh, but, but this, this nine geometry uh, uh, came from that, from, from looking at the, the, the cross-section of the planet. You can see on the site that how the, the geometry works. You take really four simple polygons. So you have a nine-pointed star, and so uh, the first round you connect each one. You know, one, just have a line between each one. Second time around you go to each two. The third time you go each three, each four, and and then uh, each time you 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 generate these simple nine pointed polygons, the circle in the center gets smaller and smaller, okay. and this geometry relates directly to this universal field that I've discovered that I call uh, the shampoo effect, because it has this kind of bubbling thing. Around. Oh, not your last name. <laughs> It's a play in my so, last name, so, you know. So, it's it's so, like after disco- being teased all my life for having a name like shampoo, you know. It's like, but, finally, but if you discovered it, it's the shampoo effect. That's right. right. There you go. Okay. That's right. right. <laughs> so tell me about the shampoo effect. So the shampoo effect is this bubbling kind of interface uh, that that happens on the planetary surface. So you have these uh, planet-sized structures inside of our planet, and you have these planet-sized structures outside of our, you know, like Mars communicating with the Mars kind of like in a size frequency. What we have appearing on the surface of the planet are like these big Earth rings the size of Mars, okay? Like, like the, 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 the continent of the, of the North America, that, that arc that I've described in the book, that's the size, and the continent of Africa can fit inside that same Earth ring. And, uh, and, and so it's a very continental form that's, that's generated. So <laughs> it, it's this micro-macro conversation that's going on, it's just like this breathing in and out like this pond. And, 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 and the surface, the, the, this kind of membrane uh, on the planet... It picks up these impressions uh, from both directions. I feel, and and I think that the impressions that come down from spirit, from you know, from the heavens, from light source, is 
very different than what comes up from from underneath. You know, so I'm finding these these ring forms like like the Ark of Japan, for instance, that it's the same as the inner core of the planet. So where you have where you see a lot of volcanic activity, you see a lot of these inner core Earth rings being generated. In my study of the, my geographic study of of anyone, I look at these kind of overriding patterns. If I just take this Earth ring pattern and put it over Baha'u'llah's path in life. What does it show? Does so we're it, now in the third figure. In-, in the third figure in the link, we, we see that we have four nested rings there. So Tehran would be associated in this metaphor with the Earth's crust. Then we have a journey to the center of the Earth that happens towards Akka. The first stop in Baghdad is at the radiance of the outer core. And then we go out to Constantinople. Constantinople, which is now Istanbul. And, and that's oh, right. Oh, and Adrianople. It's about it, the same area. Yeah, it, it ended up being on, on, this, on this, this ring, this boundary that, that marks the 42nd parallel out on the planet. It's like, here's this earth ring that's a metaphor, and here's this place where he uh, really got going on the collective consciousness and reading that so clearly and, and how the soul and love and everything all happens. It was right there on the 42nd parallel, but it was also right there on the 42nd parallel of his own life. What do you mean? In scale, if you were to project where Constantinople is mm-hmm. uh, on this graphic out to the surface... That's the mantle boundary, right. upper, upper, lower mantle boundary. That circle is representing a certain earth border inter- yes. internal to the earth. And you're saying... That's the boundary. That line there is the demarcation between the upper and lower mantle. Okay. So it's like a taffy difference, uh, different density, a different mineral content. Iron, as you go closer to the center, gets more and more iron-like. Mm-hmm. So there's this demarcation there that, that represents the... This earth ring, that's the 42nd parallel, because if you project that boundary, upper and lower mantle boundary, to the surface, it ends up being right there where he is. And I'm like, you know, he's using his his own energy field to interface with the planetary field. And who's doing it? The Shah or the Sultan or, you know, whatever. And their efforts to get rid of him, they put him right on the path of being. That's how grace works. It's so wonderful to see in, in, in lives of men like this. Peter emphasizes that Baha'u'llah's exile strummed the 42nd parallel when exiled to Constantinople and Adrianople. Peter speaks of the 42nd parallel as representing empire building. I didn't realize this at the time when I was speaking to Peter, but it was when Baha'u'llah was traversing the 42nd parallel that he wrote to the kings, rulers, and emperors of the West proclaiming his message of unity and the abolishment of war. What is the spiritual significance of the 42nd parallel? Catholics called it, or the Christian monk call it the river of light because there's so many light centers along it. The Pyrenees Mountains are along the 42nd parallel, and Rome is on the 42nd parallel, and the Great Wall of China serpents along it like a great, great snake going back and forth across the 42nd. Beijing is very close to it. So it's, the, it's like this light is holding forth this ideal and it's also uh, the 42nd parallel has a lot to do with the spread of caucasians the caucasus mountains are on the 42nd parallel and, they, and these, these are some restless people you know and they just wanted to see where that sun was going you know <laughs> they just kept going till they reached california you know and this last figure 
the house of worship with the geography sort of mapped the houses of worship around the world. So maybe you could explain this figure to us. The geography of the faith, it's all about patternings and how the faith as a, as a cohesive whole look like and how does it relate to planet. The work of building these houses of worship, I'm not quite certain how, how the process happens, but it seems like it's almost like a conspiracy of grace again. Uh, here's some land, build something. And it's nine-sided. So you have all these nine-sided temples all over the planet that are in oscillation, resonant field with the planet, with the creation field of the nine, the Enneagram, which is you know, oscillating you know, like a creative force. So you're in, in harmony and coherence with that oscillating force, right? So in this final uh, image, we have the houses of worship in Germany, India, and uh, Uganda being uh, equal distant apart. So we have these buildings in a triangulation. So the triangulation is a piece of that nine-pointed building. So what, what you're creating here is a, a hidden temple uh, or a greater temple uh, made up of a series of other temples. Uh, Templars of France in particular, they, for instance, arrayed all their cathedrals in the pattern of the constellation Virgo on the landscape, drawn out, perfectly accurate. And, and in China or Japan and uh, eastern countries, they also have the greater temple. And so in, in this particular case, you know, by, again, this conspiracy of grace, we ended up with Mecca right in the middle of it all. Now, you have something called the House of Worship Great Circle. What is that? Looking at where the other houses of worship were, I, I tried to make a line, an alignment around the, around the planet to see if there was anything, any cohesion like that that, that happens because that's, that's how you build a geometry to find the line is the baseline or the, it's the cord, or the, the string that you play. So it's stated down the bottom uh, the, the different... Uganda, Australia, Samoa, and the United States create an earth-encompassing ring of worship. Right. It's like this bandwidth. It's, it's If you were to create like a 100-mile wide bandwidth around the planet, it would be in a straight line, this kind okay. of thing. You know? So it's, yeah. it's really remarkable how, how we do this. You know? mm -hmm. I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's like a bee creating a hive and just by doing, being, praying, living and all of a sudden there's this hive there and mm. and, and, and you know, that's what i'm seeing that we're doing this uh, yeah. and we do it in our lives we do it in our person you know like like for instance take wherever you've lived you know where you work in context of where you live and how you know what's that geometry uh, in relation to the north or where your church is or you know the things like this uh you know it's, it's, you really need it's it's a geographic thing where you need to take in everything Doing this work, you really need to be a gen total generalist. There's no training in our society for being a generalist. Being a rebel, I really graded against that and, and insisted upon keeping my mind and you know, developing my own ideas, and, and I, this is the fruit of it. I understand that there's 120 houses of worship being planned. Well, that's interesting, because just this year, our International Baha'i Council, called the Universal House of Justice, just announced that they now are starting to implement houses of worship in every country. And this just started. 
So right now, what we have is a house mm. of worship on about every continent. Mm. So it's seven, seven or nine houses of worship yeah. at the moment. Yeah, yeah the one down in Panama. So. Yes, right, and yeah. Samoa, which I think you mentioned here. Yeah. And the newest one is being built in Chile. Yeah, that that has kind of these luminous Very, yes. tent, uh, kind of like tent quality to it, or uh, you know, beautiful, vort- again, that vortex. And uh, the, the uh, vortexes are us, you know, after <laughs> all, you know. And, and, and interesting, you know, this, this earth pattern that I found, this uh, earth rings, is uh, you find that as a dowser, you know, water witching, if you will, you, you, can, you can detect these energetic patterns in the earth. And consistently dowsers who, who douse out energy vortexes in the land, which is where kind of like ley lines cross. And when waters come together, you get a vortex. Well, the same thing with these earth currents, these telluric uh, electromagnetic currents that are within the earth. That, so it creates a spin. And, and this vortex replicates that same earth ring pattern. That is ultimately where I started looking. You know, I kept looking at this pattern that everybody was coming up with with these vortexes. And sure enough, you know, came up with the cross-section of the planet as being... Mm. And even the sun is, the sun is also, you know, you cross-section the sun itself, same thing in the inside. Just to take this out to a really cosmic level, you know, as we, as we go out into the outer planets, they get larger. Well, how does this theory play out then? Well, the interior of these, well, like giants, are, uh, are, have these stony cores that are the same size as the Earth. And we have this thing, Pluto, out there that's spinning around that we don't quite know what to call it, planet or planetoid or something. And, but they say if an extraterrestrial object came by and nudged that gravitationally, it would send it to the sun. And Pluto is uh, the same size as the inner core of the Earth. So I'm wondering that, it, okay, so it comes down next to the sun and then Pluto becomes the new... Mercury, Mercury becomes a new Venus, Venus becomes, you know, and this kind of thing, and there's this kind of expanding and growing that happens. I mean, mm. everything grows. It has to grow or mm. die. And, you know, I don't know, you know, but that's what I feel. Yeah, that's mm. kind of my intuition about things. You know, we think about ourselves spinning around in a circle around the sun, but actually we're traveling. The sun is spinning and we're spinning and trailing off this kind of vortex, this tail to, to the rear of our solar system. Nassim Harriman has a really beautiful video of that happening. We have a stuff called DNA in our body. The aggregate length of our DNA is the same distance as the length of the sun's rays, the heliosphere. So that's how much DNA we have in our bodies. 12.5 billion miles of DNA coiled up in us. So how do we access our spiritual lives in, in this research that I've been doing, it's, we've kind of concluded there's this attenuation that happens within our bodies through our glial cells. Our ganglia, every single one neuron has nine. There we go, that nine number, nine attendant glial cells. And, and the glial cells are based on calcium ion to feed it rather than oxygen. When you're up at higher altitudes, your oxygen levels deplete, your glial cells turn on, and then you, you have the answer to life. You have this experience. Uh, when you dream, your glial body turns on and takes on all the automatic stuff. That's the glial accessing consciousness out there. Because, you know, I mean, we dream about things that we, you know, we've never even experienced, never seen before in our lives. And 
you know, where does it come from? And but all these things, so it's one to nine. Everything's one to nine, one to nine, one to nine, one to nine. You know, so we have junk DNA. We have you know like ten percent DNA that we use, and all the rest is junk. Uh, you know, at least like, they say it's junk at the moment. Right, right. When we say, well, spirit doesn't exist or God doesn't exist, uh, so between you and I sitting here four, three feet apart, we have ninety uh, percent more going on between us than we can experience and see. Every 25,000 years uh, in human history, you see an upgrade of the human from Neanderthal, 25,000 years to Cro-Magnon to 25,000, the human. And we're now, I think, entering into a new, a new type of human. Now, the Baha'i Faith talks about another interval of about every 500 to 1,000 years, God sends another messenger of God to help humanity. Do you see any geography patterns associated with that kind of interval? As a planet, we're part of a, a living star that's part of a living galaxy, and, and we're, we're dolphining through this galactic plane. So every 25,000 years, we cross through this galactic plane. The, the, the planet has this wobble every 26,000 years, and uh, you know when you say... A thousand years or five hundred years—that is a, a fraction of that period of time. And you know, to keep things in pace, human memory—they forget. And you know, we have to be reminded and you know, woken up again. God bless the manifestations of God. You know, I, mean, I don't know what we do without them. <laughs> uh, well, Peter, thank you so much for sharing your. Thank you for having us on study. here, Warren. Really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Peter Shampoo, an investigator of geometric patterns that can be found throughout the planet and the universe, a science he calls Geographic Life Studies. You can find his work at geometryofplace.com. You can find this interview and other interviews at www.abahaiperspective.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching for A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i Faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org, or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
This song is about a girl named Mona. She was executed at the age of 16. And until the last moment, she stood strong in the face of oppression. Innocent people torn from their homes. What is this prejudice? What is this hatred? Carried in sacks and beat to the bone. How is this violence meant to be sacred? Yeah, we all gotta sacrifice, but their souls carry on in the afterlife. Their souls carry on in the afterlife. Their souls carry on in the afterlife. And among these Baha'is arose one girl. Had one dream just to change the world. They said, What could she do? Cause she's only 16. She could recognize truth that nobody had seen. She could change the world one soul at a time. Where is her freedom? A gift divine. She said, Reunion is life, separation is death. That's what I gotta say to my last breath Go ahead, take me, take me home But don't take my family, take me alone Alright, go ahead, take us, take us all I'm gonna kiss the rope, I'm gonna raise the call She said Just take my soul away Can you free me from these chains? God, where have you gone? Let me share with you my yeah. pain This is what she said She said freedom is the most brilliant word That exists in the whole world so why am I not free to exist in this community? I got dreams of liberty, but when I open up my eyes, all I see is tyranny. And I swear by the red in my veins that there is no love. I can only see pain, I can only see the blood that'll drip like rain. Only see the villains that are killing with no shame. And the filling up the cemetery with all of my friends not willing to stop. They go again and again. They're coming real fast and they're coming to attack. I'll sit right here, just breathe and relax. Think fast, that'll make me smile. Gotta close my eyes, pray for a while. Cause reunion is life, separation is death. That's what I gotta say to my last breath go ahead take me take me home but don't take my family take me alone all right go ahead take us take us all i'm gonna kiss the rope i'm gonna raise the call and i'm ready to go so please set me free please break these chains lord when will it be just take my soul
This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.